As you heard, my name is Terry. It's amazing. As you get older, you've just got to bring so many more things to the stage, don't you? Um, my, friend once said, my friend sent me a, a text this week. He said, Terry, you've entered the wonder years. You wonder where your keys are. You wonder where you parked your car. <laughs> you wonder where your glasses are. So, um, but I would say this morning, let's, let's come with a sense of wonder. You know, we serve an incredible God. We serve a mighty God. And I, I know I know that not one of you sitting in a seat here this morning, or those of you that might be online, that God doesn't want to talk to you this morning. He doesn't want to connect with you today. He doesn't want to give you fresh revelation or fresh anointing or just a fresh sense of his love or breakthrough. So so really come this morning with a real sense of God, here I am. We've sung that, you know. Here I am. You know, come and speak to me. You know, we're here to give you praise. And so I think one of the most honorary things we can do is actually believe those words and say, here I am. Lord, speak to me. So um, I'm going to be talking this morning on one another, carrying on in that series, and talking about carrying one another's burdens. And... um, and I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where life just seems a little overwhelming, all right, that, that, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, your circumstances seem to be a little overwhelming, the tasks that you feel people are putting on you seems to just be so big, the expectations are high, and there are times where you think some of the choices that I've made, some of the decisions that I've made, I just wish I could undo that. You know, where you could go back and undo the past or redo it all over again. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned as I get on and, and, and just, you know, be a friend to, to, to people in this community and beyond, that just because we don't talk about those things doesn't mean that they don't exist. And um, this morning I want to talk about how we carry one another's burdens, how we lighten the load for one another, and how we help people get victory over some of these feelings. I want to start with, a, with a, a, f- a phone call that I had about two years ago, um, and I want you to think about if you got that same phone call. And it was a friend of mine, a friend that I love Im- I, 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 immensely. I, I've got a huge regard for him, somebody I've always been admired in terms of his walk with God. And he phoned me and he said, Terry, you know, I just want you to know that um, I have fallen in love with another woman. And, and I'm going to leave my wife. And I want, you to, I want to ask you if God will ever forgive me for that. And um, I don't know what your response would be to that question. I don't know how you would respond to that question. But think about that as we go through the next couple of minutes together. I want to start with a poem. It's called The Race. And, um, you know, Paul describes our journey, our Christian walk, as a race. You know, that, that he, he, you know, that we're in this race and we're in the race to win the prize. We're not in the race just to, just to participate. We're in it to win the prize. And in this poem, um, there's, two, there's, two, there's two characters. The one I would like to say is you. And the other character, or a friend of yours, and the other character is the father. All right, so let's get going. A children's race. Oh, it's too many things to do this morning with all these things. (laughs) Um, A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. 
Excitement, sure, but also fear, it wasn't hard to tell. And fathers watched from off the side, each cheering for his son. And each boy hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they went. Young hearts and hopes afire to win to be a hero there was each young boy's desire. And one boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running near the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he sped down the field across the shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out to brace, and mid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face. And to the boy so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his might and mind to make up for the fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now, I shouldn't try to race. But in the laughing crowd he searched and found his father's face. That steady look which said again, get up and win your race. So up he jumped to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to go real fast. Exerting everything he had, he gained eight yards or 10. But trying so hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat. He lay there silently, a tear dropped to his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes. I'm out, why try? The will to try had disappeared, all hope had fled away, so far behind, so error prone, a loser all the way. Get up, the echo sounded low, get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here, get up and win the race. With borrowed will, get up, it said, you haven't lost at all, for winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. So up he rose to win once more, and with a new commit, he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. And even though he came in last with head bowed low and proud, you would have thought he won the race just listening to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, sorry, I didn't do too well. To me, you won, the father said. You rose each time you fell. And, you know, as I said, I I mean, I love that poem because it it so clearly talks about our walk with God. And and it talks about the Father. And friends, God has done everything he could for us to cross that finish line. He, He even to put his son through the most horrific death on a cross. He did that. Why? Because he wanted you to get up each time you fell. He wanted you to win the race. He wanted you to get the prize. And I think the scripture in Hebrews is just amazing where it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to, to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. And I love that. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. You see, I, I believe that there is, there is a, a part B to this plan. And this part B is you and I. That so often, um, sorry, I've just got to go back. <laughs> Pushing too many things here. As I said, you know, be aware. Um, can I go back? If you don't mind. I don't know how to go back. You, okay, there we go. Okay, I've lost the picture. But don't worry, you don't need the picture. I'm going to try and explain it to you. All right. Um, so, you know, this, this scripture talks about us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. But what I would like to say is sometimes the Father is always there in the race. He's always there saying, get up and win the race. You know, don't be defeated. Don't lie down. Get up. You can do this thing. But, you know, I, I genuinely believe, and it talks about that in the Bible, that he wants us to co-labor with him. And often he puts us on the side of the race. We are those voices of encouragement. We are those words of hope that says you can do this. You don't have to stay in the mud. We can get through this. You know, he is the one that asks us to be the eyes for the blind, the, the ears for the deaf. You know, to be that shoulder to cry on when life just gets a little tough. And that for me is what carrying each other's burden is all about. So I'm going to just give a little bit of insight into the scripture today. This is the scripture I was given. And, you know, to be honest, I thought, oh, that is such a lovely topic. You know, it's lovely. I'm going to talk about the warm fuzzies about carrying each other's burdens and how nice we can be to each other. And then I read the scripture that I was given. Thanks, Dave. And it was like, oh, my goodness, it's not what it says. This is gritty. This is courageous. This is bold. You know, this is hard. And I suddenly realized that Christianity is not for the faint-hearted. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who are led by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they will take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. And verse 9 is, let's not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And friends, you know, this, the very first thing I saw here was, was, this is hard. You know, Jesus always goes the extra route, you know, the extra mile. And what I saw... <clears throat> was, you know, when people said, how many times should I forgive this brother that has done the same thing over and over again? Should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus' response was, no, 70 times seven. 490 times you should forgive. You know, when, when people said, Jesus, how should we pray? He said, well, you know, don't just pray for those people you like. You know, everybody does that. 
No, you've got to pray for your enemies. You've got to pray for the people that don't like you. And in this scripture, when, when people said, Jesus, how should we serve? How should we carry one another's burdens? He said, I want you to carry the burdens of people whose choices you do not like. You know? And I saw suddenly that this, this, was a tough, this was a tough ask of us. You know? But we shouldn't be surprised by that. And you know, the thing that I ask myself then is then, how do we do this? And you know, the thing that, that God asks us to do is when he asks us to come alongside each other, it's not just to be sympathetic. It's not just to be encouraging. But what God wants us to do is to bring the power of God into that situation. He wants us to disarm the rulers and authorities that, we talk, that he spoke about in Colossians. And we know that that same power that, that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within you and I. So friends, that's the very first thing I want to say to you this morning, is that you know, Christianity is not for the easy, it's not for the faint-hearted. You know, Christianity is really courageous, it's really gritty, it's asking you and I to come alongside people whose choices have not been good. You know, or for people whose lives have just, it's been tough of late. I mean, it's not all about just people caught in sin, but we are called to, to sacrifice. We are called to come alongside each other, not just to comfort, but to bring the power and the authority of heaven into that situation. So the next question we've got to ask ourselves is, well, how do we do this? How do we bring the power of God into a situation or when a brother is caught in, in, in sin? And I love that picture of the, of, of the gentleman kneeling because often it starts in prayer. And then from the place of the throne room of grace, we step into the situation. But the situation is this. I mean, it was very clear in that scripture. It says, who should, who should help a brother caught in sin? Or, or, or a lady is not just brothers. But who should help someone caught in sin? And it says, you who are spiritual, you who are godly, should restore that person gently. Now, this is really important because I know you guys have got big hearts, all right? So, so this is really important. Don't try and help somebody if you haven't got victory in that situation, all right? So make sure that you are in a place of strength, that you're in that spiritual place where you can go to somebody and help them, all right? And secondly, it says restore them gently. What does that mean? It says, make sure that you can hear God's voice in that situation. The last thing people need is more condemnation. The last thing people need is, is more criticism, more judgment. They need to hear the hope of the good news of the gospel. All right, so that is, that is really important. You who are spiritual, restore this person gently, all right? Be victorious in an area. You know, make sure that you can hear God's voice of grace and hope and speak what he would say. And then the third thing I would say is assess the situation. You would have seen from that scripture I read today, it says each one should carry their own load. And why is that important? Because some people just want you to make them feel good about their circumstances. All right, and you've got, to be, you've got to be able to determine whether somebody is genuinely wanting to move on from this, 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 this place that they find themselves in. And sometimes people just want to give you the load. They want, to, they, they want to land it on you and say, you deal with it and just make me feel good about myself. And, and that's not what we're called to do. I always say to people, 
Act in truth first and then in mercy, all right? Don't do it the other way around, all right? So the very truthful thing is, hey, you've messed up. Let's talk about what got you to this place because this is important. By the time the deed happens, the heart had changed a long time ago. This is just the, the outworking of something that took place months, years, even from childhood sometimes. And so talk about what got you to this place because this is not God's best for you. But then the second thing is, okay, but I know that God loves you. And I know that he wants to, you to have breakthrough in this area. So let's, let's work together now and let me help carry this load with you. But make sure you're carrying them with them and you, they're not dumping it on you. And then keep in step with the Spirit. Don't run ahead of the Spirit. Don't try and do the Spirit's work for him. You know, work with the Spirit. Speak when he tells you to speak. You know, stay silent when he tells you to stay silent. Give a shoulder to cry on when he asks you to do that. Be there. You know, carry each other's burdens, but keep in step with the Spirit. And then the question we've got to ask ourselves, the other thing that I find quite helpful, is to say, what is God's objective for the situation? And friends, I know without a shadow of a doubt that every time God's heart is that people would come into a place of wholeness and wholesomeness. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. God takes no delight in judging people. God takes no delight in condemnation. The Bible is full of scriptures that says, in Christ there is now no condemnation. You know, and I know that sometimes we put ourselves in compromising situations, but God's heart is for complete restoration. You know, when, when, when I often ask myself three questions when I'm facing a situation like that phone call that I received. Is the very first situation, I, I, the very first question I ask myself is what would Jesus do, you know? And, um, and I never, ever, I don't think there's one part of scripture where Jesus comes along and he, and he looks at the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery and he says, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, how could you get yourself into such a despicable state? He never says things like that. You know, that picture is the woman caught in adultery. You know, what does he do? He, he gets down, eyeball to eyeball, and he talks to them. And he says, where are your condemners? And she says, sir, I've got none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the good news. You don't have to stay in this place. You don't have to be tripped up in your race and stay in the mud for the rest of your life. You can get up. You can run the race and you can still win the prize. You can still cross the finish line. The other thing that I, I find really helpful is to ask myself, what would Jesus do? What would he say? But also, I know this one thing, that when we move, God moves. And so I've asked, I always try and say, God, what is the one act of obedience that this person can do to start getting the momentum of heaven behind their circumstance? You know, so what would he say, what would he do, and what is the one act of obedience that can help this move, person move out of this place um, that they're stuck in at the moment? And then friends, the, the, the question I ask is why is it important? So we've answered what is it, how do we do it, 
What is God's objective for the situation? And then the last question is, why should we do it? Why should we even bother? I mean, life's so busy at the moment. I really don't have time to carry somebody else's burdens. I've got enough of my own, is a question that we can often find ourselves. And, and in fairness, I mean, that to some degree, it's true. I mean, life is, 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 is hard. But God doesn't let us off the hook. He wants us to come alongside each other. You know? And why is that important? Well, the very first thing is um, it's our mandate. It's what we were made for. It's our purpose in life. You know, I love the scripture. Why? Because it's in the Old Testament. But also when Jesus started his ministry and he went into the temple, this is the scripture that he chose to, to, to read. And he said, now it's been fulfilled in your midst. And I know that he then passed that mandate on to us and asked us to carry on fulfilling it. So let's read it together. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. All right, proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Basically, get them out the mud in the race and get them back on track and let them finish their race. An oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the year for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Friends, that's why we do it. That's your purpose. If you have to say, God, why did you create me? Isaiah 61. You know, to love God and, 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 and to love others. I mean, you know, in the... In the, in the in the um, scripture that we read in Galatians, it said, when you come alongside somebody and walk this road with them, then you fulfill the law of God. And what is the law of God? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that is the litmus test. Are you prepared to give some, forgive somebody 500 times for a wrong that they've done against you? Are you prepared to pray for your enemy? Are you prepared to walk alongside somebody who's caught in sin and, and in actual fact you don't agree with the choices that they've made? Because when we do that, he says you fulfill the law of God, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But also, you know, the this, this situation um, with my friend is um, for two years um, I, I walked a road with this friend of mine phoned him every week, at least twice a week, maybe even three times a week, and try to speak truth into the situation, try to remind him about what God had called him to, the anointing of God upon his life. And about six months ago, him and his wife got divorced, and he has um, he's got into this relationship with this, with this other lady. Have I stopped calling him? No. Phone him every week or every two weeks, you know, if I have to be truthful. Still phone him, still try and remind him about the call of God upon his life. I haven't given up on him because I know God hasn't given up on him. I haven't given up on his marriage 
because I know God still honors that marriage. You know, I haven't given up on him in terms of what God can do in his life and all I can do is to speak truth into it. I never once compromised the truth. He knows exactly how I feel about his circumstances. But the one thing he does know is that I love him and that I'm not giving up. But you know what is sad? Is not one other person in the church has contacted him in two years. Not one. A church of 700 people. Not one. You know, so the, 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 last, the last point that I want to make is the reason that we do it is not only because it's our purpose, but friends, you never know when you might be on the other side. And actually, you're the one who needs somebody to come alongside you and to remind you that God has not given up on you, to remind you that he still loves you, that in your weakness, he is strong. You know, that your current situation is not who you were called to be, but that he has got plans that are far greater than that. And so the part two of the, of, of the race, it says, quit, give up, you beaten. They shout out and plead. There's just, no, there's just too much against you now. This time you can't succeed. And as I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of that race. And hope refills my weakened will as I recall the scene for just the thought of my father and that race rejuvenates my being. I really believe this morning that God wants to talk to a number of us, if not all of us, about number one, fresh commissioning. I think for, for some of us, our Christianity has become comfortable. It's become nice. We love all the people that like us and we, it's nice. You know, we come to this little community and it's lovely. But I think God wants us to get dirty again, get into the messiness of people's lives, walk alongside them, encourage them. And I think even now, God is starting to put on some of you uh, just a family, a person that he wants you to walk with, all right? And just a fresh sense of commissioning for that, just bringing the power and the authority and, and, and the glory of God into that situation. The other thing I felt this morning is that um, for some of you, you actually, that person in the race, that is tripped down, you're in the mud. There are these areas that just repetitively trip you up. You've had no victory in them. And I just, honestly, I believe that there's power in this place today. Power because Jesus is here. You know, faith is stirring. God wants to to unshackle people. That's the impression I got this morning, just people being unshackled, you know, being set free. You know, don't leave this place still falling over the same thing, still tripping in the mud over and over again. So he wants to, he wants to really speak to some of you in that situation. And then the other area I felt was particularly around guilt and shame, that there's some of you this morning that yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you, 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 you blew it. And even though you've forgiven, you know, you've been forgiven, you've, 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 you've received God's grace, 
just something of the guilt and the shame and, 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 and just the condemnation of those decisions still weigh heavily on you. You know, you just, just feel disqualified. You just don't feel that God could really use you because of your past. And I really, I really feel God wants to unburden you this morning. All right. So Dave, I'm going to ask you to join me because I don't know if you're feeling anything else there too. But thank you for your, for your um, I could see you were listening and I really appreciate that. Um, and I, I do feel, you know, I really prayed about this morning. I do feel that this is a message for us, for you, you know, and that God wants to work in each of our lives. But I'm excited. Over to you, Dave. Thank you, Terry. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to pray. And then, yeah, I think there are a few specific ways that we might that we might respond. So let's, let's pray and pause and listen to God together. Father, we all know what it is like to carry a burden. A burden that's been placed on us by others or by situations or a burden that we have created because of our own decisions or our own actions. That phrase about being caught in sin can speak to us of being caught as in being found out or can speak to us as in being caught, being trapped, being ensnared. And Lord, we believe that you call us for freedom that you made us for freedom, that you died in our place, that we might know freedom, that you give us your Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of freedom. And Lord, I want to declare and invite your freedom for us today. And that as we stand with others, get into the thick of other people's lives, that there would be an increase of freedom. Mm. 